0: Visit. our entire lives are based upon faith that God is real and that, that his word is true and that he will back up his promises. And I don't regret living a life that way. I don't regret just casting everything else to the side and saying, you know what, I, I don't care if I understand it or not. All I know is I trust him. I trust him with everything that I am. And so If somebody asks you what type of church you go to, hey, it's a faith church. I don't know what else to say. We're Christians. We love the Lord. And it's a faith church because faith in God always works. Every single time. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? The just shall live by faith, and we live our lives, amen, by faith. Hallelujah. Well, you can go ahead and be seated today. Praise the Lord. We are really, really grateful that you're with us. And, you know, I I just can't stress enough. I am so glad to be a part of this church family, to to call you wonderful, beautiful people my family. And uh, we love you guys, amen. We're going to have a great time today. Um, it's ironic the song they just sang, I, I mean, I didn't know that one and I, 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 but it goes perfectly with my message because we're gonna be doing a character study of someone today that, I mean, this is not somebody at the top of the list of people that, I've, I've never done this. Alright, you're just getting a whole fresh new, brand new thing today because, uh, I've been, I've been studying the book of John in my personal time, you know, I, I, usually I'll pick one book of the Bible and, and, And just go through it. Now, John's a little bit more of a lengthy book, 21 chapters. And so, as I'm going through there, I'm praying the other day, you know, God, what, what do you, what do you need us to preach about this week? What do they need to hear? Because I, I don't just come up with something I think sounds clever. I ask God, you know, and, and I figure He knows all of us better than we know ourselves. And so, I'm, I'm, I'm reading and I'm, I'm over here in John 11, and I come to, uh, this, this strange character who gets a really bad rap. And it's pretty much for good reason. Uh, he earned a nickname 2,000 years ago that still sticks with him to this day. And it's one of the 12 disciples that I'm going to be talking about here in just a minute. But uh, it's just so vital for us as everything that we look at today. It may seem a little bit like, well, why would we study this guy? Because in so many ways, we can relate to him we can uh say well yeah i've i've been in that same spot before but the good news is the guy i'm talking about he didn't stay a dummy <laughs> he didn't stay who he was known as and he ended up being someone really great and so um go ahead and put the powerpoint up there today we're talking about a man named thomas thomas We're gonna look at Thomas and it's called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Now usually I have no intention, I, you know, I wouldn't pick Thomas. Out of every great character in the Bible, every great person, Thomas would be not at the top of my list, maybe a little more down towards the, uh, the bottom, but there's some great stuff that we can see today. And what it all wraps up and into and what it all boils down to is this, as I said just a minute ago, we are undeniably a faith Church, I don't back down from that statement. Well, those, you know, you you guys just believe that God will do anything for you? Absolutely. If he promised it in his word, I believe that he'll do it. Now, you know, if it's not in his word, then I don't have any basis to stand on. But listen, if I can find a scripture in here that says God will do it, you better believe that I will fight tooth and nail, stand on it absolutely to the very end, believing that God will do what He said He would do. We are faith people. We are a faith church. That is everything that we are. And so looking at Thomas, you know, I was as I was studying this week, we're coming up on Easter, right? The Resurrection Sunday. And I, I I was thinking, like, man, what was this time period like for the disciples? Because Jesus kept giving them warning. Guys, listen, a time's coming when I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm going back to the Father. And he just kept saying over and over again, and sometimes I look at him like, You guys were so dense. How did you not see this coming? He kept telling you over and over. But as Jesus Jesus said, you know, they don't get it. My time, it's not time for them to get it. My time has not yet come. And so as I study these guys and look at their lives, you know, I I can't get down on them too much because we would have done a lot of the same things. But as we come up, on this Easter Sunday in a couple of weeks, you know, Katie was right, That that is the number one Christian day of the year. If, if Easter doesn't, I mean, if, if, if thinking about the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, coming up out of that grave and changing your life forever does not light your fire, you know what your problem is? Your wood's all wet, right? Come on. <laughs> Right? So listen, this is, uh, we're going to look at Thomas and and I'm going to show you a few things about him. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But what I'm trying to do is challenge you where you are at right now. Because no matter who you are, you need to grow in your faith. I need to grow in my faith. I need my faith to be stronger. You need your faith to be stronger. And as a whole, man, if we start really developing And to the people of faith that God wants us to be, look out. The mountains are moving and some stuff is going to happen. Amen? And so let's go ahead and we're going to open in prayer. Then we're going to get into the Word of God here. And I am just really believe that God is going to challenge you today to grow. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, so much for your Word. We thank you that it's alive. It's powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you, Lord, that that Jesus is alive. His Word's alive. He's alive. And that we are going to study the Word today. And Lord, I pray you speak to each person here. God, challenge us. We want to grow. We do not want to stay how we are right now. We want to be better. We want to be stronger. We want to be more for you. And we thank you that you are having your way today. In the mighty name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? So three things about Thomas today, and and uh, ma- ma- maybe you know these, but number one, Thomas was pessimistic. Thomas was a pessimist. Now, do you know anybody that's a pessimist? You're not that one, are you? Okay. Now, uh, people laugh at me. I, I, I would probably... Fall under the category of optimist. And maybe that sometimes even annoys people. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's bitten me in the rear end a few times because I, I don't know, I just, even when I see people and meet people, uh, you, you know, I, I, I can't help but feel like that, you know, that, that they're good. And you know, that's how I assisted my next door neighbor's house in getting robbed a few years ago. Some of you guys know that story. Didn't know I was doing it, but I, you know, I assisted the burglars because I just thought they were nice guys. And, uh, and I'm not gonna go into that story right now, but, I, you know, and, and then there's some people that are just pessimistic. They doubt everything. I bet he's up to no good. What's he doing? Right? And well, but, well, I know what she meant. And there's pessimists. And Thomas probably fell under this category of being a pessimist. And so... There's three stories that the scriptures give us about Thomas. They're all found in the Gospel of John. Now, his name is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because they give a list of the twelve disciples, alright? But John gives us the three stories that we actually have about Thomas, and we're going to look at all three stories today. Aren't you excited? Man, you're excited. Who's ready to learn about Thomas? Tom, Tommy boy, right? Come on. All right. So turn with me this morning to John chapter 11. Let's do this thing. John chapter 11. Hallelujah. We are studying about good old Doubting Thomas. Have you ever heard him called Doubting Thomas? He earned that nickname. He earned that. He deserved that. (laughs) But here we go. John chapter 11, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 16. Now here's a story. Of when Lazarus had died. Does anybody remember Lazarus? So Lazarus was one of Jesus' good friends. Now he's not, you know, recorded as being one of the twelve disciples, but no doubt about it, he was a good friend of Jesus. And so as you are aware, Lazarus dies. And Jesus is debating, okay, should I go back over there? And the disciples are like, Don't go. Don't go back over there. There's people over there in Bethany that they want to kill you. They have it out for you. Don't don't even go back. And so there's this debate between Jesus and the disciples. But look at this. John chapter 11, verse 8. His disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there's 12 hours of daylight every day during the day people can walk safely they can see because they have the light of this world but at night there is danger of stumbling because they have no light then he said our friend lazarus has fallen asleep but now i will go and wake him up well that sounds pretty good that's optimistic right verse 12 the disciples said lord if he's sleeping he will soon get better. They're like, man, he's just taking a nap. We were actually concerned about this guy. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, uh, guys, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, apparently you guys aren't getting it. They're like, oh, he's taking a nap. He's going to get better. Good power nap will do you a lot of good. I hear a lot of good things about that. Just give him some time. He'll wake up and he'll be fine. And I can just see Jesus' face right there like, guys... Lazarus is dead. (laughs) You're not getting this, apparently. And so, verse 15, For your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And so... Stop right there for a second. Jesus, he says all this. He's like, I'm glad I wasn't there. Now you're going to have a real chance to believe. You're going to go see a miracle. In fact, if you read earlier on in John 11, I think it's verse 4, Jesus says, guys, this isn't going to end in death. This is going to end in God's glory. This is going to turn out really good. And so Jesus, in several spots right here, tells the guys, hey, it looks bad, but everything's going to be okay. So look at what Thomas said, here's the first words we have from Thomas. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. Can you, I mean, come on. Jesus just told these guys, this isn't going to end in death. You guys are going to get a chance to see the glory of God. This is going to, this is going to be a miracle. Something good is going to happen when we get over there. And Thomas is like, yippee, let's all go die with Jesus, shall we? I'm like, someone like that, I just want to smack him in the face. What's wrong with you, man? You pessimist? You, you, I, you know, what, what is wrong with you when Jesus himself just said something and you're like, yeah, i believe that when I see it? That's the attitude that so many people have today. And can you imagine how Jesus felt dealing with this stuff For three and a half years. These guys were with Jesus every day, three and a half years. We've got three stories about Thomas, and all of them are along these lines. And imagine, every time Jesus says, hey man, we're going to see a miracle today. you got Thomas in the background. Yeah, right. (laughs) And Judas is over there like, how much money do I got today? How much money? And he's, he's counting the money. And you got Peter cussing someone else somewhere. I mean, this was sometimes a rough group of guys. But I just, I would rather, I, and, and if you know me, I'll just go on the record to say this now. Pastor Dave's pet peeve is cussing, alright? And I don't, you know, I'm not judging anybody here. We're all getting, I know some people it's a struggle, but I despise cuss words. I hate them. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I know some people are new to the faith and they're growing out of that. But I just, I hate that. But I would probably rather be around that than a sarcastic, pessimistic doubter. They're more dangerous. I can't stand that stuff. And so Jesus has his hands full with these guys all the time. And here he's like, we're going to see a miracle. And Thomas says, let's go die with Jesus because I highly doubt we're going to see a miracle today. Have you ever heard of Murphy's Law? (laughs) What's Murphy's Law? Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And, you know, I've heard that. In fact, one of my earliest jobs... well, you know, when Katie and I got married, I had recently, I was, well, I was 18, right? And and, uh, and I had lost my, I had a decent job. I lost it a few weeks before the wedding. And so I couldn't find a job. So I went down to Hardee's because they had a hiring sign out front. That's Carl's Jr. And, and so, and so I applied and I got hired at like five and a half, six dollars an hour or something like that. And, and so this was my job when we got married. Katie was very proud of her man. Thank you very much. I was doing good. And uh, she just, you know, it was so exciting. But my boss, who was a great guy, but every day he'd be like, you know what? It's another day, Murphy's Law. Whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. And I'm like, why does this guy keep saying this stuff? And so, this has annoyed me for so many years that, actually, just this week, I looked up, I'm like, I want to find Murphy, I'm going to find who he is, because I'm going to chalk him down and punch him in the face. And so, I, I, you know, I, you know, I, I Googled and I researched Murphy, turns out he's already dead, so I can't hit him, but... Uh, and, and, and and further news, closer to home, Murphy, the real Murphy, actually lived uh, at one point in the high desert here. Believe it or not. He was an Air Force captain stationed at Edwards Air Force Base at one point in time. Renee, you're from that area, aren't you? Do you know Murphy? <laughs> she pointed at Cletus. Cletus is on Murphy. <laughs> All right, hey, again, you guys got my number, call me, we'll set up that appointment. All right. Alright. So, anyway, so I'm like, man, what is wrong with this guy? And, and, and so I, 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 I found an expanded list of, because apparently they've expanded the list of Murphy's Law beyond what, anything that could go wrong will go wrong. And so look at this. You can put these on the screen there. But here's an expanded list of Murphy's Law. Number one, in any field of endeavor, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Okay? That's the, kind of the first one we know. Number two, Left to themselves, things always go from bad to worse. Who wants to be around somebody like that? All right, number three. If there, <laughs> this is possibly my favorite one. If there is a possibility of several things going wrong, the one that will go wrong is the one that will cause the most damage. <laughs> what? Come on! All right, uh, look at this. Uh, number four. Nature always sides with the hidden flaw. Number five, if if everything seems to be going well, you have obviously overlooked something. <laughs> Why are you going to be like that? I can't stand stuff like that. And so, uh, uh, did I have a fifth one? Okay, that, that's, the, that's the fifth one. There. If I mean, if everything goes like, well, things are going really good today. So surely we've overlooked something. Can you imagine that being your outlook on life? Yet, that, as silly as that is, that's the expanded list of Murphy's Law. Listen, I know people like that. Like, man, everything's going good today. I feel really nervous. Some, something's got to be wrong somewhere because surely my life can't be good. Not even for one day. And they may not word it that way, but that's how a pessimist lives their lives. I had a, a, a former neighbor, okay? I won't say where or when, but a former neighbor. And this guy was a pessimist. He was a leader at another church, which shocked me, but he was a pessimist. And so, any time I would say something positive, he would instantly counter back with something negative. Like, hey neighbor, good day. Hot day. What? Hey neighbor, you look good today. Won't feel like trash today. What? Hey neighbor, God is for us. Well, the devil's against us, so I mean, no matter what I did... He would counter back with something negative, And it's mind-blowing. Like, what is wrong that that is your outlook? And I get it that some people may, by nature, be a little bit more like that. But I'm challenging you today. You can't live your life like that and expect to see miracles and blessings and the favor of God working in your life. You can't live like that. That is not how the children of God act. That's negativity, and it's pessimism, and it's doubt, and it's wrong, and that will rob you of the blessings of God. You need to examine your outlook on life. Are you looking at everything through the eyes of faith? You know, I've ever seen like, you can put on a pair of glasses, right? And maybe you got some green sunglasses and like you put those on and everything just looks different all of a sudden. Like, whoa, how did that happen? Then you put on a, a red pair or something like that and it just changes how you see everything. You're looking at the exact same object, but all of a sudden it just looks different. And so people of faith, we may be looking at the exact same problem. Well, we've got this giant building and one AC unit running the whole thing. We could look at that and say, man, anything that will go wrong, could go wrong, will go wrong. I can't see you guys. Hang on. All right. So, wow. You look much better now. Some of you look a little weird. So, but, you know, here we are. I mean, we got one left, and it's probably going to break down next. My God, if it could, it's just going from bad to worse. But you put the eyes of faith on. You look at it through the word of God, and we looked up there, and what did we see? Man, I see six brand new units. Come on. Man, you're a fool. I I see those old dinosaurs, those old things. No, I see them. They may not be there, but I am looking through the eyes of faith, and I see the answer, even though it's not there. And so whatever it is you're facing in life right now, look at it through the eyes of faith. The answer may not be there just yet, but listen, pick up the Bible, look at the problem, and you will begin to see it in a whole different way. You may be facing a giant. Well, you pick up the Bible and you look over at 1 Samuel 17. What happened when they faced a giant? David hit that dude right in the forehead with a rock and killed him. That's how I see giant Man, what an opportunity for a huge testimony right here. We've got a giant problem. Well, stand by. We've got a giant testimony on the way, somebody. Come on, right? How do you view things? I heard this story about... These two guys, they were best friends. One was a pessimist. One was an optimist. And so I don't know how they even got along so well. But the the optimist, he says, you know what? I've got to do something to change this. He was always trying to get the pessimist to say something positive. So he's like, you know what? I'll get it. I will, imp- I'm gonna go down to the pet store. So he goes to the pet store and he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend some money on this because I'm gonna force him to say something good. So he goes to the pet store owner. He tells him the situation. The guy's like, okay, I, I got something for you. He brings out this beautiful parrot, this exotic, rare, expensive parrot. And the optimist guy's like, it's beautiful. I've never seen colors like that. He can say all these words, but, you know, I know my friend, he'll make fun of the, the parent's accent. He'll say that his colors are too bright. No, no, no. What else do you got? So the guy brings out a dog and says, this dog can walk on water. I swear. He can walk on water. And so the optimist says, That's, that's what I need. I'll take it. So he pays him and he takes the water walking dog with him. He's like, I can't wait to get my friend, man. So they go out to this park and, and they're walking and casually talking and he's playing fetch with his dog and he waits for the right moment. He throws the ball out onto the water and sure enough, the dog runs out there, chases the ball and walks on the water, runs on the water and brings the ball back. The optimist says, ah, See that? The guy's like, "Yeah, I saw it." He's like, "Huh? You notice anything unique about that dog?" He's like, "Yeah, the dumb thing can't even swim." <laughs> What's wrong with that dog? And so, what I'm telling you is, that's the type of outlook that Thomas had. And I'm not, you know, you need to judge your life. Is that how you look at things? You're like, yeah, maybe able to do that, but can't even swim. Don't let that be you. Look at Proverbs 18.21. We're coming back to John. Proverbs 18.21. Are we having a good time today? Proverbs 18.21. And hopefully you know this verse by now. But if not, you will. If you stick around here, you will know this verse. Uh, of one of the other first verses that my parents taught me. And uh, one of the first verses I taught my kids. Proverbs 18.21. So, quick story. You got time for one quick story? Just one. All right. I'll... So, um Josh and I when we were little kids, we went to before my dad was a pastor, we went to a church in Indianapolis and they brought in a children's evangelist one day to do a children's ministry. And so this guy, uh he 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 he's gave the kids Proverbs eighteen twenty. It had something to do with this verse his lesson and he's like, Can any of you kids explain that verse to me? And you know, just crickets. Nobody could do anything. And so he's like, okay, I'll give you kids give you a dollar. And and me and Josh are sitting there like So uh, uh, I'll give you five dollars to the kid. $10, $15, Ten dollars fifteen, and he's like okay, I'll give twenty dollars my father, to any kid that can explain that verse, and Josh up here he's what uh, six, seven years old, full beard and everything stands up, full beard, full beard, stands up, and gives up uh, preaches to the dude, gives him a sermon on proverbs eighteen twenty one and the guy's jaw just dropped. he was like, Where would this kid come from? He paid up, gave Josh twenty bucks, we went to Kmart and got some new cap guns. Pew, 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 pew. Right? It's exactly what we got. Because we were going to be cowboys. And I have not given up on that dream. I'm still someday going to be a cowboy. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm in the New King James. So it says, And those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love it will eat its fruit. And so the, the, the New Living says that those who love to talk, they will reap the consequences. Right? And so... Your words are powerful. If you were constantly going around saying stupid, pessimistic, negative, doubt-filled things, guess what you're gonna get? You're gonna get that. And then you're gonna, and then eventually you're gonna say, well, if God's so good, why does this bad stuff happen to me all the time? Because your words brought it to pass in your life. Well, I don't get it. Why does she always have good stuff happening? Well, let's listen to how she talks for a few days and see what's up. Well, why, why, it always seems to always work for him. Why him? Listen to how that person's talking. If you speak bad death words over your life, you will eat the fruit of that. You will reap the consequences of your words. And Thomas was nonstop pessimistic, all right? And so, let's go to point number two, all right? Number one, Thomas was pessimistic. Number two, Thomas was doubtful. Well, I thought that was the same thing. It is not the same thing. Thomas was doubtful. Now, if this hits close to home for you, maybe you're sitting here thinking, like, man, this all sounds like me. Good. I'm really glad you came to church today. Because we're going to help you and fix you so you don't think this way anymore and say these things anymore. So, uh, I've got this definition on the screen. Pessimism means tending to see the worst aspect of things or believing that the worst will happen. So pessimism means tending to see the worst aspect of things or believing that the worst will happen. Does that, I mean, anybody in here, do you, have you at least, you, you've been there? Okay, doubt means, this is even worse, doubt means to call into question the truth of whatever it is. To call and to question the truth of. So pessimism is bad enough, but can you see why doubt is such an enemy to your faith? Now I'm getting ready to drop something real heavy, so just buckle up and listen. When we're in doubt about something God said, we are literally questioning God's honesty. And I never seen it that way until I was sitting down just talking to God about this. But when we, and we may, we don't, we may not see it that way, but when God says, I've got this for you, or, or or you find a verse in the Bible that promises us something, and then we begin to doubt that. What is it we're